It's another Britain Yankee Craft Beer Podcast, and today we are recording at a brewery that's actually close to my co-host Ken's house, because it's in Naperville, and you live in Naperville, don't you, Ken? Yeah, I'm about two, well, I'm exactly two miles from here. Exactly two miles, there you go. So you walked over? Uh, no. Oh, okay. I actually drove from Yorkville. By the way, buenos dias. Oh, buenos dias, Phil. Yes, it is. It is the daytime. We are here at a brewery. I'll tell you what the brewery is in a minute. But first of all, of course, if you need to get hold of us, it's pints at com. This is uh, podcast number 390. We're getting up there. Ten more, Ken. And it's number 400, and I stopped doing it. What? <laughs> well, I'm getting old, mate. <laughs> You can't stop, Phil. <laughs> no, I can't. I can't stop. I can't stop. So I'm very happy to say that the brewery that we're at in Naperville is one which has fascinated me for quite some time because it's a non-alcoholic brewery. Although I saw that they do have some tappers with alcohol beers on them, and we'll find out more about it because sitting here with me is the president co-founder and i don't know what else you do but that's enough in it mr joe chura hello joe welcome to the show hello thank you for having me well thank you very much for spending some time with us because i know you're a busy guy and i think you've got an event here tonight that means there's going to be hordes of people coming in so we need to make sure we're out of here before that happens you have an absolutely wonderful tap room and actually i see coming in from the brewery where he has been brewing is your head brewer and he is Mr. James. James Bigler. James. James Bigler. James Bigler. That's how he comes in. Okay. I'm James. That's nice. James Bigler. Usually people it's know. kind of like James. <laughs> James Bond. Yeah. <laughs> and I think actually, James, you and Ken know one another, and we've actually met in the past, and we'll come to where we met very shortly. Let's get back to Joe. Joe, we're sitting here in what can only be described, in, in, in my opinion, as... A cross between a beautiful lounge, bar, and a tap room. And as I sat here, and I was getting ready for the podcast, and you were on a call, and things were... It was all happening. It's quietened down here a little bit now. But there was mash being taken out through the tap room. As I see it, there's a door that goes up and down, and that was where a whole pallet load of your beer was being shoved out and obviously sent off in a truck somewhere. So it's it's a it's really kind of a cool atmosphere. How would you describe where we're sitting? I think you did a <laughs> fine job describing, but I would say that our intent was to create an elevated taproom experience. James and I had both been to many many breweries, and they're all incredible. But we wanted to do something a little bit different. And we did not want to have a brewery that was lower in scale or class than any other brewery. 
So we, but we wanted to take it up a notch. And I say that because non-alcoholic breweries, there's not many around, as you as you notice. I, I, even I don't the, think I can name another one. Yeah, there's not many in the United <laughs> States. Like we thought we were the only one in Illinois, but the more we dug into it, we found that many of our competitors are contract brewing. And there's only a couple of tap rooms in the, in the United States that do what we do, including programming and all the fun stuff, which I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about. But yeah, I mean, to, to boil it down, it's a elevated tap room. That's why I like to call it or think that it is. And uh, we appreciate your feedback on it. Yeah, I think it's elevated. Okay. Yeah. And in fact, Ken and I are sitting along, I guess this is the back wall on one of these high top bouncy seats we've got high top tables are you comfortable like that's what matters I, to us i think i'm very comfortable how are you how are you very, again very comfortable very comfortable and that's Elevated. and that's, uh, that's what matters that's where it starts you can't I, enjoy good beer unless you're comfortable absolutely and you mentioned good beer so let's get to the beer we always like to sample the beer on the britain yankee and so you were kind enough to provide for me a setup beer which i still have this is your pilsner any particular name to this? or just Suspended pills? in a Sunbeam Pills. Suspended in a Sunbeam. Yes. I do like that. Well, as the sun has gone in, actually, recently, we can't see how suspended it is. It's a very, very refreshing pills. I, I have to say that my experience with non-alcoholic beers so far has been, you know, kind of minimal. I've had a Guinness, which I think the Guinness non-alcoholic is pretty damn close to the original i've had i think i had athletic brewing which is another one of the big names right so yesterday i went out and i got myself some go brewing beer and i got your cali pale i really enjoyed it ken you've been drinking it for a while right i've been playing around with non-alcoholic stuff for several years i i like it on like a big drinking day if you alternate that you can save yourself the next day um it's it's like I work in a brewery, so a lot of times I start craving a beer before I should have a beer, and having an ace there lets you. It satisfies the craving, and I think I've been coming to go, coming and going, coming to go for a while. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Since uh, we opened, yeah, I, I, I think I was here opening weekend and got to tour it, and that was really cool. So um, thank you. But I'll tell you what, as a brewer and from you know a brewer. As any brewer, coming here and looking at your equipment, it's just like there's serious envy going on. There is. There there is. is, (laughs) It's the best of the best back there. And we'll talk about that in just a little bit because you look kind enough to give us a tour around the back there. First of all, and and Ken brought it up, the opening. When when did you open? Tell us us how old you are. We had a soft opening in October, mid-October of last year. So we're just approaching uh, not even a year uh, as our tap room was open. We were brewing beer out of my garage for the year prior. I would say, though, we really opened in January, February of this year in the sense that that's when we started making our own beer. Okay. And that's the that's the date that I look at when I look at reviews and I look at, at people's feedback and we look at the velocity of when the business started taking off. Like, that's the, that's the date that's important to us. So really, what have we got now? Seven, eight... Coming up, nine months, right? Okay, give mm-hmm. or take. It seems like you have an awful lot of beer going out of here, and you've had an awful lot of publicity. And I'm going to turn to James over here and ask him, you are brewing the beer. What was your first thought when you, I guess, applied for the job of brewing non-alcoholic beer? 
Um, let's see, to go back that far seems... It, I mean, it was only two years ago, right? But it seems like it's so much has happened since then, and so much of my own perspective has changed since that time. I think one of the first things I told Joe was, like, it's a pretty big investment up front, you know, for us to get the equipment that we need to just even try things out. And Joe was like, just just try it out, you know? Like, just, you know, get some homebrewing equipment. I'm like, ah, homebrewing equipment. We'll never, you know, get by on that. So I, uh, you know, but <laughs> what are you going to do? Buy a quarter million dollar dealkalization machine, you know, or a, you know, $13,000 like nano brew house or something. So I started just kind of messing around in Joe's garage. And pretty quickly, we were feeling pretty okay about the beers that were coming out of what was really just a homebrewing setup. And over time, we realized, well, I guess we don't really need that dealkalization machine. And that was kind of scrapped from the budget, which really helped things out. And then when we opened up here, it was kind of a question of whether everything would work out out of our setup here. And it did. Beers just kept getting better. And so my, you know, initial feeling of, you know, the amount of processing we'd have to do differently than what a normal brewery would do kind of went away. And really the only thing that we have to do different is just, you know, the highest level of quality. You know, the tunnel pasteurization ensures that, you know, everything is going to be safe when it goes out of here. And actually, I want to get to the process sure. in the next segment. It sounds like you, you hit on something there, a dealkalization equipment that you didn't need. So we'll come back to that. Mm-hmm. Joe, how did you start this out? Go back. I think it came out of COVID, if I'm reading your notes on the website, right? Go back in time and, and tell us your story. Yeah, I started by realizing that I had a problem drinking in the sense that... <laughs> you spilt most of it? <laughs> <laughs> I drink a little too much. But okay. it's, it's, you know, it's, I think drinking is such on a spectrum for so many people. So it's hard to like bucket it into like, I was an alcoholic or it wasn't. I don't think it's a binary thing. It was very much similar to what Ken said earlier. I would have these cravings for alcohol and... In the morning, I had the best intention of like, I'm not drinking tonight, but by five o'clock, those cravings would kind of take over and I'd grab a beer. And my issue was stopping. It was like, once I had one beer and then I had two, then I had sometimes three, sometimes four. But it, it wasn't, it was, it was that over a period of time that I realized yeah. that I was having an issue. At the same time, I watched my father lose his life to alcohol. And I watched, was watching my brother almost lose his. In fact, you passed him over there on, on our canning line, and he was days away from dying, like literally. Oh, and then wow. I, I helped him check himself into a recovery place, and he's been sober for over two years, and his life has completely changed. And what I re- just realized along the journey, observing others, observing myself, is that there is there's a place for moderation if you can control it and i I believe that if i could curb my craving um which i did from non-alcohol beer very similar to 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 ken then it, it then i could have a better balanced life than have moderation in it and that was kind of the this started this idea of like non-alcohol beer so then my wife and I embarked on this journey called 75 Hard. We abstained from alcohol. It's the first time in my life since I was a kid, really, that I didn't 
drink for a period of time, and I mean a period of time more than a few days of standing. And non-alcoholic beer did it. It curbed, it curbed the craving. I was like, this is an, this is amazing. And I went from drinking like six days a week to two, like pretty quickly, and and then kind of stayed on course. And in the back of my head, I was like, man, this is just a really good business to get into. And then I saw Athletic and what they were doing. And and at that time, my wife and I would go out to dinner, and we'd reali- and I'd realize like there's nowhere to go that didn't revolve around alcohol. Every celebration, every party, everything has to do with alcohol. And that's not a bad thing, but it was something that I'm like, man, if I'm around it constantly, I'm going to want it. So can I go somewhere where I have an alternative? And there just wasn't a lot of options on the market. So all these kind of ideas bumbled up. One thing led to another. And I was fortunate enough to sell a couple businesses. And so I knew that I knew about marketing and branding and how to create a company and entrepreneurship. But I didn't know the most important thing, and that is how to make beer, especially not al- not alcoholic beer. So the idea the idea manifested. Things happened quickly. One thing led to another, and the location that we're in, um, which is another another conversation, probably. <laughs> and, and I was like, all right, well, the first thing I need to do is find a good brewer as a partner in this, because I want a partner, not necessarily just an employee that I'm going to hire. And as soon as I met James, I just had a feeling that I was like, this is the right guy. And I asked him one important question. And I said, can we make the best NA beer on the planet? And this is after he schooled me into telling me the cider we were taking over. We couldn't use any of it for the brewery and all this naivety I had (laughs) regarding making beer. But James's answer was emphatically, yes, like I can do it. And I just saw it and felt it. And I was like, let's go for it. And the rest is history. Yeah, and you mentioned the cidery, and I should say that you are in the old location for Two Fools Cidery. Half of it, yeah. Half of it, mm-hmm. okay, okay. Mm-hmm. Which half? Are we in the half? We're not in the half. Oh, we're not we're in, in the, the new okay. half, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we, we thought we could use a lot of what they had as infrastructure, and we what we realized quickly is we couldn't use anything, and the only thing that remained the same is the location of the bathroom. Okay. Um, but the rest of it is was really like Greenfield. In fact, there's a picture behind us on a wall, and you could see the rocks that we're sitting on right now that this was from like june of last year it's kind of incredible to look at to see the progress that we made and and i send pictures to remind our team how far we have come in not even a year yeah i think you know from everything i hear you've you've really accelerated out the process of creating a a business be a business that is not just a tap room and and see you know you almost look like you've been here for 10 years. <laughs> it's probably because of the brick. Probably because of the brick wall. Oh, the brick wall. Okay, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. know, it's it's you know, it's funny. It's like we put one foot in front of the other. We don't have huge long-term goals like, oh, it's a five-year plan. I've learned a long time ago that it's just not a great way of operating for us. Um, what we look at is what's the goal in front of us. And the goal in front of us was to launch online first, which we could talk about, mm-hmm. which is our direct-to-consumer business, to, for us to learn and educate ourselves into what beer is selling. So then if if and when, and now it's happening, when we go to market, we actually have data behind what's selling. Like, we were not, we're not guessing. And we were able to, to iterate fast. And if we didn't do that and we didn't do those things in that, in that order, we would go to market with beers that wouldn't pull as fast as the beers that are in market do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when we did launch, though, it was pretty unique. It's like we launched multiple businesses at once. We launched an online business, which is an animal in itself. We launched the taproom business. We launched a wholesale business, and that our friends at Salamoth, which is a brewery 
across the parking lot from us, helped us do local distribution in Chicago and the Naperville area. And then we launched Amazon a couple months later. And all of these are separate sales channels with separate processes, separate inventory control. And there's just a lot of complexity to it. I, I, I didn't know you could buy beer on Amazon. Yes, you can. You can? Non-alcoholic beer. Yeah. yeah. Oh, non-alcoholic. Oh, that's right. right. Okay. Which is what we make. So yeah. it works out. And, okay. And that was, that was another reason kind of going back to the opportunity is that knowing the digital marketing space, knowing the TAM, so the total area of marketability was beyond a geographical restriction that another brewery might have. Ours was the United States and right. really beyond because we can ship. So so that really gave us hope to say like everything isn't reliant on the tap room business thriving because let's face it, there's still a very small amount of people that either drink not alcohol drink non-alcoholic beer or that abstain from alcohol the majority of americans drink so having this place we knew if it was just restrictive and this was just the entire business was right here we'd be in trouble but having those multiple channels allows us to operate at a different level well we'll come back in a second and find out a bit about that process i will take a real quick break i know james you've got a different beer to what we've got we've got the pilsner the next beer we're going to taste is going to be a bit of a sneak peek. What are you drinking? It's a grapefruit IPA. The grapefruit IPA. Okay. So would that be considered a hazy? I mean, the the, the juice does give it quite a bit of haze that's okay. hard to remove. But uh, the base of it is kind of a West Coast style. So you're not going to get necessarily that, that juicy fruitiness that you would get from like a, uh, the, the, the hot profile of a hazy IPA. Okay. Uh, this is going to be very much that citrus grapefruit and a little bit of kind of that more intense dank kind of pop character okay cool well cheers ken cheers phil we're gonna come up with a sneak peek beer next back in a sec i'm all back we were going to give you a sneak preview of a beer that's coming out this weekend, but we were persuaded that perhaps we needed to go with one of the other very popular beers here at Go Brewing, which is your sour. Tell us about this. So it's one of my favorite beers. It's really grown to be one of my favorite beers. It's really refreshing. It's got a lot of flavor. It's hardly discernible from a traditional alcohol beer. In fact, you know, we've compared it to very similar beers, and I think the aroma on this stands out above some other, you know, fruited sours that we've, we've tried. It's a traditional kettle sour, just as you would find at a lot of craft breweries. We sour over about three days to the, the, the pH that we're shooting for. We then boil and transfer it over into the, uh, you know, the fermenter where we go through our, our fermentation, which is, you know, a kind of a, it's our, a limited fermentation process that we go through. And then, you know, add a ton of strawberry and blueberry puree. And uh, that's what we got. It's kind of got this really nice jammy aroma to it. It's sour without being, I think, overbearing. And it's, yeah, really enjoyable. Whilst you were saying that, I was sipping this and I was saying... You know, I don't really like strawberry and things, but you just hit the right word, jammy. It's, it's, the strawberry is quite delicious. It's almost sweet, 
without being sweet, and then you get that sourness come through, you know, and it finishes really delightfully. Ken? It's, it's a nice-looking beer. I love the color. It's got kind of a dark pink hue to it. It's a little hazy. Mm. You know, strawberries hard to get. It's hard to get strawberry flavor to stand out in a beer, and I think with the sourness, it really, really helps the strawberry come through in this. It's not like overpowering strawberry. No, it's no, nice. No. It's just yeah, it's there in balance. And I, I think if we wanted to go with something that was just pure straight strawberry, we'd probably be out of business because it's expensive and you'd have yeah. to add a ton of it. Yeah. So we played around with the ratio. I knew that I wanted to add some other berry in there to kind of like make sure that you're you're getting enough character and aroma without having to like have like you know 75 of the beer is just strawberry so the the blueberry is the one that we landed on it's about 20 or about 30 percent blueberry and then the rest is strawberry and that i think really helps not only get that beautiful color but also kind of enhances that strawberry aroma you know because the blueberry is a little more intense so it kind of gives you this this is just great you know, yeah, I always berry. say when you add blueberry to something, it's basically for the color because it's it's difficult to get a really blueberry flavor coming through unless you've got nothing but blueberry. But I don't know. Um, I've, I've used wild blueberries. They're real small, so the the skin to flesh ratio is greater. Oh, okay. And you get you get color. You get a lot of flavor from it. So mm. one of the fun things we did with this beer, we were just recently at the Oak Park Brew Fest, and we had a uh, a taste test challenge. So we actually had people come up, and, and what, one of the things you hear a lot about non-alcoholic beer is it doesn't taste good, right? That's like someone in someone's mind because they've, they've had O'Doul's at one point, maybe 10 years ago. So we poured two beers. One was our sour, and one was an alcoholic sour from another bigger, very popular brewery. And we actually asked the participant which one has the alcohol. So we gave them two. One had alcohol, one didn't. So one was ours, one wasn't. 50% of the people got it wrong. That means one out of two did not even know which one had alcohol. That's how close this beer is to that. And this beer is at 0.22% alcohol by volume. So it's half of what some of our other beers are. It's pretty incredible. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that almost sounds like... An edition of our uh, Brewers Taste Challenge we have to come and do with you, maybe, or you, James. Can you tell which is your beer? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Go out and see. Go out and see. It's a little plug for our YouTube <laughs> channel there. Back to the process. So I think the Pilsner and the Pale Ales, are, they're more the traditional styles. How does your process work that you is different to breweries that are going to take the alcohol out and i have no idea on what that process is whether you brew it without the alcohol whether you take it out or what yeah tell us that how you get this fantastic so, flavor without the alcohol yeah to, to go back a little bit to what i was saying before you know we ha- wanted to get started we wanted to get moving you know the market is just really ramping up around this i mean we see that when you look at you know athletics numbers and we you know, started in the garage and Joe's like, you know, let's just get moving. You know, we, the, the equipment will come. Like, let's not focus too hard on what we want to do. You know, kind of like his, his, his philosophy on the growth of the business. Like, what can we do now that's going to make an impact? And then from there, we can make that next decision. So we started that, you know, just kind of small batch brewing in the garage. And that, you know, we, we knew we wanted to have kind of some traditional craft beer styles, you know, a Pilsner, a Stout, 
an IPA, a hazy IPA, because that is now traditional. <laughs> yeah, right. And the sour was always kind of on the back end there. We only did maybe like one iteration, I think, in the garage, because that was a little funky to do. But as we moved into the facility and we, we realized that we didn't need to do any of that deaquization technology, we really have just been, you know, we put together a, a traditional brew house. There's really not much difference on our actual equipment that we're brewing on. You know, one one thing that stands out is we've got three vessels. I think a lot of breweries, you might see one of those being a whirlpool. kind of helps with, you know, speed things up a little bit, if, especially if you're doing multiple turns in a day. We have a mash mixer. Not unusual, just not very typical for our size. But that helps us control temperature a little bit better. We are basically just shooting for a low fermentability. So we end up really just fully fermented at usually around 0.4, 0.45 maybe. You know, we have to be below 0.5 in order legally to call it non-alcoholic beer. So our process is really just that. We we formulate the recipe that we make sure we have the minimal amount of fermentability. We're using typical ingredients, probably more specialty malts than what people would, would expect just because we do need to add a lot more character, a lot more flavor since... You know, these beers are, you know, basically smaller beers to begin with. And then we really have any differentiation when it comes down to the the kind of stability and, and, and quality process. So we have a full quality lab. We're able to do a microbiology testing. We're able to analyze the alcohol down to a 0. 0.02, which is obviously very important for the reasons I said. And our pasteurization is really the key to our process because it we know that we're not sending anything out that could harbor anything capable of hurting somebody. So, uh, yeah. So, so, so I'm still confused here because I thought that the sugars came out of the grain and that somewhere along the line turns into alcohol why doesn't it in your process what am i what am i missing He's, uh, missing out the blue light laser the secret laser that we have that emits a ray <laughs> on the wart that just makes a special okay. beer thank you why don't we talk thank about you, the blue light? <laughs> so I, I i guess i i help me out <laughs> Well, there's a lot more to malt. I mean, obviously, like, sugars aren't all the same. So you have fructose, glucose, maltose, maltotriose, larger chain carbohydrates, you know, dextrins, starches. What we're doing is we don't want to... Our our mashing regimen is such that we are breaking down starches, but we're not creating so many of those smaller chain fermentables. We are getting a lot of extract of, you know, flavor compounds, you know, complex sugars protein, and kind of all the things that, you know, are contained within the malt and less of the small chain kind of fermentable sugars. So what so, about what about the yeast? How does that, does that differ any? I mean, use the same yeast or what? Yeah, I mean, I use, I try to find strains that are going to produce a little more character for us, but it's not anything different than what have I might have used in any Not that beer. modified yeast that you think about that are in a presentation of someone giving, like, here's the way to make non-alcoholic beer, and we've been part of those, and we don't fall into those buckets, per se. So yeah. any modified yeast. Okay. Right, so because cause some of those are like, you know, they don't ferment, you know, maltotriose or whatever. So it's it's leaving behind, you know, okay. 
fermentables, and we are fully fermenting our beers out, yeah. Hmm. And so beyond that, we'll have to have you sign an NDA <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. and put this under a gateway. No, I'm no I, I, so yeah, I understand. Because so can I the, ask mash temp, or is that asking too much? I mean, mash temp is yeah. important, right? That's, uh, you know, if, if anyone's brewed, you know that there's a range that enzymes are active, right? And so we, we, we shoot to, we have kind of a step mash process, but yeah, we're aiming to not, you know, to, to keep enzymes active, to a certain degree, and then basically shut it all down when we've we've reached our target. Okay, so, so that's the blue laser. Yeah, that's the blue, blue laser. laser. <laughs> no, that's the blue laser. Sometimes a red one, but yeah. <laughs> that's well, a, we, yeah, we, it's on the gluten free beer. We definitely got a, re, a red laser in this beer. This <laughs> yeah. is actually, I, I I have to say, I really like this. This is a fantastic summer beer. Sure, you know, it's set out on the deck and it's cold, it's refreshing. It's yeah. you know, yeah. I, I can only ever have like one sour because for some reason it gives me a headache. The sourness coming through, I don't ask me why. <laughs> well, we'll see. Okay, maybe you have just a little more. Maybe we need more. Yeah, I, I, I don't want you to get a headache. <laughs> no. You can test it later. <laughs> um, James, what did you? What What is your background? I think Joe, you you said you did businesses beforehand. What area was that in? What industry? Marketing and software. Okay. Oh, software. Oh, I was in IT for 50 years nearly. Oh, nice. Couldn't stand it. No. <laughs> <laughs> James, what, where were you before this? So right before this, I was working for Alter Brewing Company oh, right. in, in okay. Grass Grove. Mm-hmm. So I'd been there from the beginning. Um, and really, you know, when I saw this opportunity, it was kind of an accident. So uh, I had been brewing out of the, uh, the the St. Charles, you know, brew pub for about a year. And, you know, everything was fine and enjoyable. But uh, I saw this kind of random post that someone had reshared on Facebook. And it was just kind of interesting. You know, I click on it and I see Joe's kind of little spiel about what he, he wanted to do. And, you know, on this on this post, I think there's a lot of people kind of bad-mouthing it and be like, you know, what's the point? You know, who's going to want to do this? And I'm like, I don't know. There's something to it, right? And so I I messaged him back. He, he called me, <laughs> you know, right away. And we just kind of we met up. And he kind of, like, just looked at me like I kind of put my trust in you. And I was like, okay. <laughs> we just kind of went from there. And it just happened really fast. But, uh, you know, when I was at Alter, I got a good background in a lot of different parts of the business, you know, in the tap room, operations, sales, you know, brewing. And I think that's part of what, you know, made that a, a good decision for, for Joe. Good. I mean, we'll see if it's a good decision, but what made it an easy decision for, for Joe is, you know, there was a, an ass, there's a lot of information I, I just had about the, you know, the brewing mm-hmm. business yeah. that would have been, that would be valuable as we got as we as we build it out, and uh, I mean, there's a lot more I've learned <laughs> since then. Yeah, right. Uh, there's things I, I I didn't know I was supposed to ask for or or do, but uh, you know, the, that's the, just how, that's part of it. Biggest thing for me was like I had interviewed other people, and I could just tell like how curious he was and how much he had already read up on non-alcoholic beer, and the probably the best people that have worked for me. And the the company that I created and I grew it to 850 employees. I was so lucky to be able to do that, and that's just because I built a good team around me. I'm not super smart; like the team is smart. But the superpower is finding, getting, giving someone yep. an opportunity, and finding talent, and just seeing that, and kind of having that intuition, and 
you can always teach someone or you can get empower them to learn, but you, you can't you can't teach someone to want to do it. And for James, what I saw is it was fun for him, which I knew was a really good recipe for success. And and that's why I just kind of knew, like, hey, man, let's, like, walk me around and talk me through this and just had a really good instinct about it. And uh, he's been incredible, an incredible partner. Did you, uh, did you get any stick, as we say, for uh, going to a non-alcoholic brewery? Yeah, you know, am- amongst your peers, you know, I mean, a oh, friendly, friendly banter, shall we say? You know, there has been a lot of support. I think everyone I, I I know has, I think, understood that it it was a good move, like a good move for me, something that I should do, right? You know, uh, a place where I could grow and 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 keep, you know, moving forward and and, and learning a lot. And I think everyone is pretty excited about that. I don't know how. I don't think anyone. If I asked someone to like come with me, I don't think they would have said yes, right? Yeah. I think a lot of people will look at it and be like, "Why would I want to do that?" You know. But that doesn't mean that you know that everyone hasn't been supportive. I've, I've had a lot of support from friends and family and everyone that I know in the industry. And I think some of our biggest fans. I I think frankly, there's been a lot of people who have just sought us out. You know, because they are in industry, and and just like you know, Ken was saying, is yeah. you know, having beer as your job and your hobby, and to be it in front of you all the time, and knowing people that you know struggle with, you know, how to kind of moderate themselves, you know, it's it, it you're you're going to be curious about like how do how do I how do I you know get myself into a position that makes my life a little bit easier? And like Joe was saying, you know, for me, it's having a couple of these sours. You know, when I go home to cook dinner, instead of having a couple beers, and then that leads to maybe another beer, and then you know, it, it can be a, an add-on effect but yeah. with with something that's non-alcoholic. You know, I, I can understand that entirely because you know I always like to have a couple in the afternoon, and you know, then I go, oh, do I need any more? Well, as you get older, you. Your capacity drops, I think. So, <laughs> well, I'll, um, I'll tell you what. This tap room, I sat here and, and drank beer at the bar, and to be able to like drink with abandon is kind of fun, <laughs> with no penalty. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's really Ooh, fun. I like to, that. Yeah. I'm going to use that. No <laughs> drink with abandon. Well, shall we drink with abandon yes. here, Ken? Yes. And take a quick break, and we'll come back and have some more abandoned beer. Yeah, he's got a cam. We'll come to that definitely in the next segment. All right, we're back. I wanted to go to the dark side because some of the other beers in your range are porters and stouts, and we have samples of both of those. And I have the vanilla porter here. And we have, is it just a regular stout? It's a nitro stout, actually. Oh, it's a nitro mm-hmm. stout. Okay, interesting. That explains a lot then. Mm-hmm. So vanilla porter, I tasted that, and I'm getting lots of vanilla. I'm not getting too much roastiness. I think it's a light roasted. Do you agree? Yeah, differentiating it from the stout, you know, having a big difference between... A stout and porter for a non-alcoholic beer. It's a little difficult. Mm-hmm. So we kind of went with more chocolatey on the porter and less less of a kind of a roast character, yeah. And that's what it is, definitely. Chocolatey, 
Cho- uh, chocolate vanilla. There we go. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. Now, the stout, and it's a nitro, and I see now why that's a nitro. Of course, we have to only have a sample glass, so it's difficult to keep that head on here. Is there any difference in the pouring of a nitro NA beer to a regular one? Does Does it react the same? Yeah, it's, it's pretty much the same. I'd say that, you know, you're, you're really looking at, like, kind of the finishing gravities are really similar between this non-alcoholic stout and, and, and a traditional one. Not to say that doing nitro is ever really easy, you know, uh, pouring in no, is a little man, more. I, I did nitro <laughs> the other night, and I, it was really hurt my head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do like the the lacing that you're getting off this one, which is which is always good on that. Very nice flavors in the stout. I had a non-alcoholic stout, and I can't remember who the heck it was from, but I've got a feeling it might have been athletic that I really wasn't that keen on. Um, this one I like a lot. It it actually is a very light-bodied stout, mm. which kind of like Guinness. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, what about the future here? Then you got you. You seem to have activities like every other tap room. You, you've got you know we've got a TV with a projector, so I'm assuming you're going to have football games and things like that. What about what what's next in terms of where you want to go with the business? As far as the tap room, we have live events every weekend, live music, a lot of fitness-related events. We have workshops here, storytelling. Outside of that, the business here is really about expansion to, or I should say, our aspiration is to be a national brand. And we are right now to some level, but to turn it up. And to do that, we need more space. And it's scary to say because we spend a a lot of time... James and, and the team dreaming up this space and not even within a year we're like okay we got to dream up the next space so we are going to acquire triple that the space we're in to really make it into a much bigger production facility have add things to our canning line not necessarily replacing the things that we have in the short term but just adding to it some bigger fermenters some uh, some more automation bigger cold box um, a dedicated shipping and distribution center that's adjacent to where we're at just to really kind of create that efficiency especially as we open up other markets and that is all happening kind of real time here Uh, as I mentioned earlier we should be signing with a few other distributors in nearby states within the next coming months so to get our products in a lot more places by the end of the year is huge for us and to then put our gas on our direct-to-consumer business to allow us to keep testing and innovating and we call it our innovation lab we also have a beer club i didn't mention this earlier but that also allows people to mix and match online a 12 pack an 18 pack or a case of beer on a monthly basis and they can rotate those out so we're really doubled down our efforts and focus on making that really, really special for people. So we're going to have like a vault of beer, new releases go to the beer club first, and just to try to get more people in that club. Uh, by that end of this year, we'll have a thousand people, hopefully, in that beer club. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it's been it's been awesome because we we know and what I would presume is that when you're in in uh, when you're a brewer, you want to experiment with different things. Like James is incredible at like ideation and us just talking through something and me having a conversation with a, an owner, a purveyor of an NA 
establishment. In fact, we're going to one tomorrow, Lafayette, Indiana, Generation NA, and I have long conversations about what's pulling, what's hot in the market. Because he knows the NA space very well because that's all he sells. Well, it translates very well into direct-to-consumer. It translates very well into what's going to pull on shelves for us. And doing more of that and testing and iterating and adaptogenic-type beers in beers that um, that have that are a little crazier, non, like unorthodox flavors and styles. That's kind of, I think you'll see us heading toward that way. We're also going to have a name your and define your style of beer competition that's going to open up probably by the time this podcast airs that people can participate in. And the boundaries are going to be a, a stout, another stout we're going to create. And it's going to be like a donut-style stout. So you get to imagine <laughs> your your favorite donut combinations. You're going to be able to think about those and come up with a name. And, and we're going to boil it down to some winners and let the public vote. And so we're really excited about that. So it's just, you know, we're constantly just testing and, mm. and uh, trying to push the envelope. And, we'll, and some things that work, some things won't. And that's the beauty about it. But because of our direct-to-consumer footprint and ability some of these beers are selling out within weeks so we don't have that huge risk of like hey we're gonna have this beer it's gonna it's we're gonna have to wait for a distribution partner to pick it up or someone's gonna have to come in the tap room and buy it we just have all these outlets to to try things which is really cool and i suppose james your issue is to come up with new styles that would suit the na market a lot of so Ken, I mean, you, you're always producing collaboration beers, and also you know you you come up with a new style that could be a hit, but you know you'll, you'll brew it and maybe you will, won't brew it again. I'm assuming you have the same problems, James. Well, I think we've been pretty lucky. <laughs> you know, things have we've gotten to this you know this kind of mode where we don't really have a lot of time for experimentation we have an idea for something and it's like let's shoot for it you know and see what happens and uh, yes Oktoberfest I we had no pilot batch you know <laughs> this was we made it and uh, there's some things I would tweak if I were to make it again just as any recipe you know you tweak a little bit here and there right. as processes change ingredients change and whatever but yeah so far we've been pretty lucky and I think that's kind of the excitement around doing some of these other things is kind of push that creativity a little bit more it's like okay you know we got some of these basic styles down and it's been able to kind of replicate over other similar styles you know the pilsner versus the martzen is you know we're changing up some of the hopping we're changing up um obviously like the 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 character of like the malts right. but the the recipe doesn't really change that much you know the, the the process as we start doing something like a donut style style it's like i I mean, who knows what will come up with? <laughs> who knows what the ingredients are going to end up being, you know, and how we're going to do it. Yeah. And then that will be really interesting. And, you know, from there, that will make a new procedure for us that will, you know, refine and narrow in on. And, and it'll be something that we'll be able to do more often in the future. So, you know, that's the fun part about being a, a brewer is that there's always challenges. Right. And a lot of times you're, you're making, you're challenging yourself, you know. What about collabs? Because... Usually, it's you know two breweries collaborating together, and it's the same alcoholic beer. You don't have many non-alcoholic breweries around here, so is that something that might or might not ever happen here? No, we're certainly open and down. We've been so focused on our beers here, and then we have other collaborations with 
businesses. I alluded to one earlier, can't really say it now, but in the music industry, we have one athletic company hmm. that we're going to do a collaboration with. So I would say non-traditional collaborations is right. in the near future, but we'd, we'd love to do something with uh, our neighbors even, like Salamoth or whoever, just because we're... We love to share ideas, but it's it's been it's been really fun. And to James's point, we are we are lucky. I mean, we're we are making good beer, and for this for some of these, like mm-hmm. it's the first time that he's ever made it, and it comes out, and we're all like sitting here in anticipation of like, is this going to taste good? And I, everyone does. Yeah. Like he's done such a phenomenal job, and even if the consumer, this is a part that is like super fun for us. A consumer may give us a review on our website that is like, "Oh, this was the worst beer I ever had," and those are like gut wrenching. And we and we all we yeah. all read every single review, and we, we respond to them, and we try to get in touch because the last thing we want to do is ignore our consumer. But we have five hundred reviews in six months of people giving us feedback. So we'll have a negative one. And I don't know if, like, the world works in some mysterious way, but immediately after that negative one about said beer, we get a positive one of someone else's perspective. Right. So every beer we make might not be for every person, but sure as hell so far, the beers we made are for someone. Right. And that's what's really cool about it. I guess my my final question here as we start to wrap this up, where did the name come from? Go. I would say that it's like our just do it. It's, you know, go. We all have agency in our life to make things happen. And very much how we started the business that we talked about, it's like, you know, we could sit here and hypothesize all day long about, here's what we could do. But the reality is you, you have to start. Mood follows action. Action is going and doing it. Right. And that is, the, that, that is our motive here. And you're going and brewing. Well, um, right. James, I raised my sample glass of nearly empty stout to you. And uh, Joe, thank you very much indeed for your time. I know you're a busy man. Ken, as always, you're going back to the brewery? Yep. Yep, we got trivia tonight. Oh, it's trivia. Well, there we go. Trivia <laughs> and tacos and Tuesday. Oh, right. Oh, oh it yeah. is. That's right. It's Tuesday. Thank you very much, this guys. so fun. Thank you so much for having us. Thank Thanks you. a lot. Oh, it's good night from me, Ken. And good night from him. Good night all. I never thought I'd like an alcoholic beer. A non-alcoholic beer. There we go. See, I'm, I've got, I'm, it's in my brain. I These are really, really good. I already yeah. knew that. Yeah, well, there you go. You've got, another, you, you got a contract on now. The, I'm glad you're on the NA trail now. I'm on, I'm on the NA trail. Britain Yankee! Britain Yankee! I'll have a bite, Yankee. Give us a pint. You got any tetanus? Uh, a pint, please, Barbara. Give me another pint.